Welcome to Newest, Latest, Best, the quick daily show to keep you in the know with all of the newest information, latest releases, and the very best the games have to offer. I'm Jeff Kanata, and today is Thursday, July 13th, 2017. A whole bunch of people sent me this story this morning, and I can understand why. New video has emerged of the upcoming virtual reality Mario Kart that will be playable in Tokyo's Shinjuku Amusement Center. This is a virtual reality arcade that Namco Bandai is building. It will also feature a VR Dragon Ball Z game, a fishing and a flying game. Uh, It's called VR Zone, and it is opening uh, very soon. And you can play Mario Kart in first person in VR. And really, you owe it to yourself to seek out the video. Kotaku has a great article with the video embedded in it. It looks delightful and amazing. It's everything you would want out of a VR version of Mario Kart. The game looks vibrant and colorful and beautiful. You're throwing bananas. You're smacking people with mallets. You turn to your left and right. You say, see Peach and, <laughs> and uh, Waluigi on, on carts. It's pretty spectacular. And it begs the question, why isn't this more than just a, an arcade game that I have to go to Tokyo to play? Why can't I get this on a console somewhere? Why isn't this coming to a VR headset that I own And the answer, of course, is Nintendo. Uh, Nintendo needs to have a VR headset, I guess, to make this a reality. But I would love to see this out on Oculus or Vive or PlayStation VR. It seems highly unlikely that it will happen. But my goodness, does it look extremely fun. Uh, Man. Of course, I love the VR. Uh, I'm not the hugest Mario Kart fan, but this would make me love it. Uh, I, I wish I could travel to Tokyo and play this. Maybe I'll figure out a way. Or, if any of you are going to Tokyo, you definitely have to uh, give me a report, a full report, on Mario Kart VR at the VR Zone in Shinjuku. Speaking of first-person modes in a traditionally third-person type game, looks like PlayerUnknown Battlegrounds is getting dedicated first-person mode servers very soon with the next update. Of course, you can switch back and forth now from first-person to third-person, and actually that's a tactical decision that a lot of players make to uh, help them look around corners in third-person mode or look down the sides in first-person mode. It's a, it's a strategic decision. But now, uh, fans of more simulation-style experiences or those looking to make PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds an even more challenging game will have the option to jump into first-person-only servers. I like playing in third-person myself. I like seeing my dude outfitted with the little scraps of gear I can cobble from the abandoned buildings in PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, but... This could be a cool way to make things a little more difficult if you're into that. Nino Kuni 2, Revenant Kingdom, one of my most hotly anticipated role-playing games, uh, which was scheduled to be released in November of this year, has been delayed. 
Now it will miss the holiday season and will come out January 19th, 2018. Kind of a bummer. It was a game I was very much excited for. Uh, This is um, the follow-up to the Studio Ghibli and uh, Bandai Namco Level 5 game that uh, really was very, very charming and had a really interesting sub-in, sub-out combat system with a really great story and just gorgeous, gorgeous cutscenes, hand-animated cutscenes. Nino Kuni 2 was promising to up the ante on all of that stuff and create a pretty big, interesting uh, Japanese-style role-playing game experience. Uh, Everything I've seen, including stuff from E3, looks really, really nice. So it's a bummer that we won't get it until January, but certainly uh, this fall is going to be full of stuff to play. Also, at the same time that they announced the delay, there was a bit of a clarification on the multiplayer component for Nino Kuni 2. That is, there ain't one. <laughs> Evidently, when game director Akihiro Hino had uh, said that there will be multiplayer, you will be able to play online with your friends in various capacities, he misspoke, and what he meant to say was, there is no multiplayer. You will not be able to play with your friends at all in any capacity. Uh, maybe this has something to do with the delay. Maybe they yanked the multiplayer because they couldn't get it to work. What he's claiming in his online video is that he misunderstood the translation of the question and thought it just meant there was going to be online functionality. He says, I misunderstood the interview question thinking it was asking about online content in general, and my answer referred to online announcements of in-game events. As a result of this, I wrongly gave the impression that the game features multiplayer content. Okay, certainly doesn't seem like you misunderstood, but I'll take you at your word. Either way, it's a bit of a bummer to think that there won't be multiplayer in Nino Kuni 2, because I thought that was going to be a very strong new element in the franchise, and it's also a bit of a bummer that we'll have to wait an extra two months But anytime a delay is to make a game better, I'm all in favor of it, and I'll be the first to uh, be in line to play Nino Kuni 2 when it finally hits January 19th, 2018. Time to answer a call-in now, and this one is a fascinating question. I've never really had anybody bring this concept up before, but it's actually something I've done a fair bit of thinking about on my own. So I'll let the Daily WTF explain what he has to say. Hey Jeff, uh, me and a buddy were talking the other day about what it looks like for the video game generation to get old and be in a nursing home. Like we were thinking about, you know, now the big thing with, with the elderly is a lot of times it's loneliness in nursing homes and stuff like that. And we were like, what happens to the gaming generation when we know how to work games, we've grown up with games, and they're online? What happens to the loneliness factor of being elderly and by yourself for the most part in a nursing home if you still have the capability to reach out to the world and play games with them and communicate with friends. So I don't know. I I was just thinking about that. My wife argued maybe they don't have the dexterity to to do that, but imagine you do. You still got your dexterity. You still got your brain. What happens? Anyway, love the show, man. Thanks. What an interesting idea. This is something I've thought about a lot, and I'll be really frank and honest with you guys. I've thought about it in a very selfish way, in the sense that I sort of make my living talking about video games, and when you look on the landscape of the video game hobby, you see that it's, you know, a youth-oriented thing, which makes a lot of sense. And you go, oh my god, there's nobody 
who's still talking about video games in their 50s and 60s and what do I do? Do I am I just going to phase myself out? Am I am I going to just find myself obsolete at a certain point? And then of course I realize, well, it's because games haven't been around long enough for people in their 50s and 60s and 70s to be talking about them. It's because my lifetime really is the same lifetime of the hobby. And we are going to see, as you point out, an entire generation of gamers get old and get elderly. And it's going to be a completely new thing because people who grew up playing video games have never been old before. And not only that, I think even more importantly, video game designers are going to age into a place where the things that they want to create are aimed at an older age group. We're already seeing that happen. Every study of video gamers says that the most prolific video game age is mid-30s, right? It's those people that grew up playing games. It's they, they have disposable income, and video game designers are that age. It's, it's all a very Ouroboros kind of phenomenon, right? It's the snake eating its own tail. It, it, we're all growing up with this hobby. We play, the designers play, they make the things they want to play. We like the things that they make, et cetera, et cetera. So I think when you say something like, oh, you know, your, your eye-hand coordination is going to deteriorate in old age, and of course it will, but I have no doubt there will be a whole bunch of video games made for people who don't have such great eye-and-eye coordination. There's going to be an entire segment of people that just expect to keep playing games. And so game designers, of course, will make games for them. In the same way that baby boomers are targeted with entertainment, so too will Gen X, Gen Y, millennials. We will all be targeted when we are in our, you know, twilight years, our retirement age years. So I have no doubt that that will happen. And hopefully, hopefully in my own selfish way, I and my opinions will still be of value to people and I will still have a, a job. <laughs> I will still be able to feed my family based on um, the video game industry. Either that or, you know, I'm a greeter at Walmart. I'm prepared for either contingency. That's kind of my backup plan is, you know, a bagger at Trader Joe's. Although all those jobs by that time are going to be gone. Who am I kidding? There's not going to be any jobs. We're all screwed. All that will be left will be opinions about video games. So maybe I'm in the perfect spot. Anyway, this isn't about me. This is about, I think, the fact that gaming of, the gaming hobby is going nowhere. It's just like rock and roll, right? Rock and roll was a young thing way back when. When my parents were kids, right? The 50s and 60s, rock and roll was just, just blossoming. And people thought, well, you know, it's a, it's a kid's thing, right? It is a kid's thing. In the, in the 50s and 60s, the adult generation was like looking down on it. But now you got the Rolling Stones it's still touring. You got baby boomers targeted. Rock and roll kids have grown up and retired. And now there's still stuff for them to listen to and enjoy. It's the same thing. It's video games. It's going to be here forever. So maybe, you know, I'll have work forever. (laughs) 
And on that note, I want to thank all of you that are listening to the show. Maybe some of you just started listening because the show just became a podcast on iTunes. And for that, I am supremely grateful. Uh, our download numbers have just exploded. I'm uh, rocketing up the charts uh, on iTunes. I appreciate it. If you have a moment and you want to give me a nice five-star review on iTunes, I certainly would appreciate that as well. Or if you're still listening to this on Anchor, even better. That means you can easily send me a call in, and you can uh, say what you'd like to talk about, great questions like the Daily WTF said today. Uh, anything you might want to bring up, games you're playing, or things you'd like to hear me discuss are welcome. Just click that call in and then record your voice. It's as easy as one, two, three. All right, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Take care.